Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. found out through my due diligence that one of the tenants was actually the owner of the building that was being taken back by the bank so that was I wouldn't say difficult but it was it was strange you know welcome back to the commercial property investor podcast i have derek with me today hi derek hi jerry thanks for coming and joining me we're going to have a conversation today about um sas investing your own sas investing but also just sas investing in general and I'm really intrigued about your project that you've done in Newcastle, a retail um, CMO, effectively. But before we get to that, maybe we should just introduce who Derek is. So could you maybe do that? Derek, what's your background? Where do you live? What are you up to? What's your kind of your investing goals right now? Yeah, so currently living in Glasgow, yep. uh, working offshore. So I started my trade as an electrician early days and moved through into major industries, power stations, nuclear, and then oil and gas. And then I got my way offshore. Uh, been offshore since 1999 and they working in a, in a supervisor role out there so enjoyed it all these times uh, for all these years uh, property wise probably get involved in property seriously in 2015 after some training moved into residential uh, followed by some uh, buy to let and flips then in 2018 generated a uh, created a SAS pension uh, connected that to my property company and from there onwards everything seemed to be commercial generally yep. so I think one of the first steps for the the SAS pension was just transferred over a defined benefit uh, pension scheme so there was quite a, a large uh, cash equivalent transfer value went across there and that was able to allow me to be to be able to kind of buy the first property in Newcastle effectively. Right okay so I'm gonna go back a little bit you mentioned about probably 2015 did you say? Mm -hmm. But you were doing it well before that, weren't you? Yeah, so I kind of did a couple of flips in 2010, 2011 that didn't really go too well. There was no right, education okay. involved in that. Yeah. Uh, kind of around about the Shawlands area, one bedroom flats, putting in wooden floors and integrated appliances and kind of just went overkill, you know. Uh, went with the heart and no the head. So never really made a profit there, two in a row, and kind of parked it uh, right. for, for later. I think we were coming out of the crash then, 2008 crash, and things were still a bit slow. Uh, so that was kind of, we, we kind of paused that until, until later on. Then went back and got some education in 2015. And what was that education based around? Was that multiple strategies specifically on buy, refurb, repair? Yeah, it, it was your typical, you know, training uh, courses that are available. Kind yep. of week, weekend shot in a big hotel where you get to see the buy, re, refurbish and refinance kind of uh, strategy and uh, it kind of opened my eyes. I thought, well, if I'd known that strategy before and known how to do that, maybe I'd a, had a couple in the bag. Yeah, yeah. You know, by this time, so that kind of says. So no matter what we, no matter what we generally think or suggest or talk about in terms of different training products out there, actually 
oftentimes it's the opening of the eyes, isn't it? Exactly. To what's possible. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. So then you started doing residential more successfully. You mentioned about taking some of your pension and converting that into SAS. How did you hear about SAS? I heard that. Around, and, and the kind of resi training and the kind mm-hmm. of resi circles where it's, you know, most people run out of funds, you know, even people with substantial funds yep. run out of funds because, when, yep. you know, eventually we will run out of funds. And uh, this kind of untapped market of using your, your pension to buy property was, was identified at one of these training courses. It was quite probably quite fitting because being in oil and gas and for a number of years, there was a number of pensions that was accrued. Uh, and I'd also started a private pension back in 1990. So I'd always watched these pensions generate yeah. the good times and the bad times. Uh, generally over that period in time, decades, it was, it was quite quite good, you know, as, as a return. So I had this pot and then I thought, right, okay. Uh, probably around about the 2018 time was the, okay. the Section 24 and all that kind of stuff yep. getting out. And commercial was getting spoke about a bit more, a bit more common, you know, kind of let the let the tenants pay for the bills, etc. So I kind of had an interest in that and this SAS thing just kind of developed. So you know, I kind of uh, investigated that and before, it, before I knew it, I had uh, created a SAS that was approved by HMRC <laughs> and it took a couple of months for the funds to get across, but uh, yeah. yeah, I got the funds transferred over. And yeah, I mean, we, we talk about SAS quite a lot in here and I guess it's, it would be right, just be right for me to say, you know, SAS is, is is particular to the UK, and there will be some listeners in other parts of the world that don't have SAS, but there'll be other. There are often other mechanisms there to be able to actually work with your own pension rather than giving it over to an institution to deal with. So SAS being self-administered small scheme, but your property business was the sponsoring. From what you said yep. earlier on, was yeah, the sponsoring so I, so business a, to get the whole process going. Yeah, very important that that you've got a, a trade in the you know Entity, business. Yeah. yeah that, to, to connect to the SAS. Yeah, but then actually the pension pot didn't come from there. It came from various other pensions that you were able to transfer over. Sure. Yeah, great. Okay, so it's also probably worth saying, um, Derek, that you're, you know, you, you've had a, a life there of working in quite a lot of interesting sectors, I have to say. But nevertheless, you've worked all your life. You've been saving up these pensions. And then you've probably, in some people's eyes, been quite brave and taken that and put it into your own hands instead of leaving it with other people, which some people would say was also brave. <laughs> and you've gone out and actually bought something. Because there are quite a few people that put together a SAS, but then sit on their hands and don't actually do anything. So I want to talk about that first commercial project, right, which is over in, in Newcastle. So how did that come about? You know, How did you even hear about the project? Um, and just talk me through the first stages of actually assessing that and getting, getting it over the line. Okay. So SAS was approved probably late 2018. The funds were transferred probably early 2019, but I knew I needed education in, in the commercial field. Yep. So you know, I saw a kind of mastermind group, as it were, joined in small club and learned about commercial. Yep. And I would probably say anybody that's got a good knowledge of residential will pick up on commercial because they've picked up in resi if that's not been their primary, you know, job or role or, or area of expertise. So, so yeah, I kind of picked up in this uh, mastermind group, the kind of fundamentals and then it was it was the exercise for everybody to go and seek a property. You know, I was fortunate enough to have decent funds in the tank to, to, to buy cash. So I found the, the property just lies about 10, 10 miles north of Newcastle in a small place called Bedlington. And it was on Zoopla. So it was just on the open market. Yep. It was offers invited. It was uh, the property was an administration. And I thought, right, OK, uh, first of all, 
the kind of the ABC of commercial was to make sure the location was right. So it was High Street. Uh, there was a bit of regeneration taking place in the town. You know, vacancies were low in that area. Boring up some of the agents. Yeah, if, if there is vacancies, they kind of fill up quite fast. Yep. And it was fully occupied at that point in time. Uh, kind of bringing in a rent, a bit passing rent of twenty six thousand seven hundred pounds. So we went for a viewing. Uh, so I went down to have a, a look at the place. It was the, the, the plot itself was 7,000 square feet and the accommodation comprised of a kind of retail parade ground and office space upstairs. So it was kind of 4,500 feet of office space or retail and you know, maybe £3,000 of a, a rear yard, which was a, a kind of okay. bit of a mess. 3,000 square foot, yeah. you, the rear yard, yeah. So a bit of a mix. Yeah. Okay. And what was the occupancy like? So it was fully occupied at the time. Right. It was a uh, kind of daily essential spend tenants. So there was barbers and hairdressers. There was a kind of bespoke cake shop there and there was an accountant. Right, okay. It was a good mix. And Newcastle is still quite far away. Yep. And you found it on Zobla. But did you actually look at Manchester, Birmingham and everywhere else or were you specifically looking at Newcastle area? I think I was scouring the, the UK, right. to be honest. Uh, <laughs> just for the, just for the, the, the right property. Yeah, uh, and yeah, there was a lot in the west, northwest of England. I suppose closer to home is always best. Scotland seemed to be a kind of quieter market. There was a wee bit of a struggle because kind of found that in the mastermind group. You know, to find something was quite uh, difficult. So this one popped out and it sort of ticked the boxes. Ticked the boxes for you. So got it over the line. Then there's some asset management to be done. So what were the first few things that you did to improve that property? So part of the part of the objectives was to add value, you know, kind of coming for the resi background and then coming for the mastermind background. It was more active than passive. Yep. It was kind of wanting that approach to add value where, where possible. So we looked at the, you know, the, the, the makeup of the tenants. The tenants were kind of local tenants and who I like dealing with anyway, putting something back into the community. But they were all in, whether it was a mutual agreement or an, an expired lease or expiring leases. So they were all quite weak and, uh, that's that's a bit of risk in itself, yep. but with the education, that's where you can add value if you know the way to do it. Process. So, yeah, know the process, yeah. Yeah, so were, were any of those leases coming to a review stage or an end? Yeah, so one yep. one had ended, that I found out through my due diligence that one of the tenants was actually the owner of the building that was being uh, taken back by the bank. Yeah. So that was, I wouldn't say difficult, but it was, it was strange, you know, so I had to have these discussions with the guy and let them know that I knew, you know, because I'd done the due, due diligence on all the tenants, whether it was Facebook or Instagram or yep. you know, company's house. And that's when I, f I found out. And with the agent then told me that, yeah, that was, he was the owner of the, the building. So that was a conversation to be had. So yeah, just uh, the, the leases were either expired, coming to an end, or there was no lease. There wasn't a lease. This guy was basically occupying the property during that uh, insolvency process, which can go into later, but uh, it was another be but to get over the line yep. you know so there was a bit of improvement to be had but you know the the, the market rents in comparison to, to other places local were quite low as well so there was value to be added there and the site visit we, we, we went down on site and we had a look at the actual makeup of the place he was occupying an extension quite interesting it was a kind of separate building that was attached and a thousand square feet and he just it was just full of junk. He just, there was all sorts in there and it was, he, he didn't use it. So, you know, part of the conversations was, right, okay, we could reclaim that. We could get another tenant in there and, and add value that way yep. as well. So 
Did you have to do much actual um, physical changes or improvements? No, I mean the commercial space. It was really just a, a nice shell that was that was provided for the for the tenants. You know, yeah. and, and most by sense of it, most of the tenants stayed. Yeah, it's just yeah. regearing the leases, yeah, really. Yeah. So not and, quite a paperwork exercise, not, but not nevertheless, quite, not quite. There was there was a couple of things. So firstly, the backyard was, you know, it was. There was quite a few trees in there. It's a conservation area. So one of the challenges was the TPO, or tree preservation uh, yep. order. So so I got a local tree surgeon to, to submit that and uh, put some stuff on there that it was going to get turned into a car park to open up another business to bring things into the, the kind of the town as such. And uh, that got passed. The trees got felled. And then the next stage was taking a level out the, the back area. We kind of got that packed up with tight one and kind of planings and stuff, and yep. the guys done a great job of that. So that was the that was access to the rear right. extension. That work I done in the rear extension was just pretty much clean it out and put a, a, a put a kind of access shutter door, thinking it could be a trade in there, electrical or plumber, somebody that comes round the back. It's got car parking and is that what happened? No, an antique centre <laughs> moved in. <laughs> Uh, so I put a kind of double all the best planning yeah all the best planning yeah <laughs> actually there was nothing marketed at all it was all word of mouth you know yep. people in for a haircut what's happening around the back all oh, right so can you there was a little, quite a lot of people called this guy wanted it as a, a motorbike club uh, you know kind of meeting ground type yep. thing or storage for bikes and stuff like that somebody wanted it as just a kind of personal workshop there's a few people come through interested as, as such you know yeah a couple of shutters on there and and cleared it out inside it was kind of concrete floor based and i got a new uh, electrical supply put in there which when i say it was a challenge the local builder dealt with all that so that's pretty much all that was done with that rear section yep. and then the front sections uh you know we're kind of getting down the line here the accountant he he left eventually probably nine months into after completion he wouldn't sign a lease uh which was a bit of a risk Spoke to my solicitor who said, you know, there's there's a thing called security of tenure, which somebody's, you know, it's a kind of right people have got if they've been in occupation in a place and under certain conditions without yep. getting into the detail. But he advised that we offer him a tenancy at will, which is just a kind of small lease, just a couple of bits of paper with some writing on it saying you can lease it per month for, for X amount. And, and, and he, you know, he accepted that. But by signing that, it was easy to evict. If we couldn't get him to sign a lease further down the line, he just, you know, finances wise and stuff. And I was happy to give him a chance, you know, I understood yep. his position, but, uh, but he eventually left and that left a big space because he occupied three offices up the stairs okay. and he occupied a unit and a big extension. So that's where the kind of split came as such. Yeah. Okay. But you've got that relet. That's relet. Yeah. Yeah. So the hundred percent occupied right now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a few strands I want to go down, so I'm gonna try and remember them all right. Um financially right now, um can you tell us roughly what the ROI is on the money in? So it was purchased for two hundred and fifty thousand. That was bought in the SAS. Yep. The the passing rent at the time was twenty six seven hundred. Okay, so which a was multiple of ten, 10 and a bit. Ten point yeah. seven or ten point yep. six or something. So the process then was obviously to improve the leases and get the rents comparable with the you know, with that area. Yep. So there's a few things happen, but you know current current rent. Uh, so two two fifty purchase. I put about thirty k into the the refurb in the rear, yep. the trees, the yard, and then just a couple of other things, heating and electrics. So that was a two eighty spend. And currently, after the RPI inflator 
has took place after the first rent increase there. The rent is now 42,600, which gives 15.7 or thereabouts yeah, returns good. on the capital and, employed. And, uh, and a different valuation, no doubt. The valuation came back at four hundred and seventy-five thousand, yep. which is which is nice for a net asset value for your SAS because that's obviously a value of your pension yeah. asset. Because at the moment you don't have leverage in there, but that would help it would, that yeah. increase to allow yeah. you to do that. Yeah. Okay. The other part I want to jump back to because you you mentioned um, right back start that you know you're still working offshore and is that what, what's the shift pattern on that? Is it three week on two? Week, how does that work at the moment? It's a bit of an unequal two on three off, so it's two on two off. Two on, four off. Right, so okay. Two, 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 four. If that's okay, so that does give you chunks of time. It does to yeah. go and do stuff, but it also gives you zero time at other yeah points. Right. So how did you act? Because there was work going on there. It wasn't just paper exercise. There was some hardcore go down, clearing out. Da 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 da. da. How do you manage that whilst also having to go offshore? And it's how far, how far is it actually from here? Two and, and a half hours, maybe. Yeah, it's a bit. It's about two hours, 50 minutes. Yeah. Really. yeah. So, Roughly. yeah. I, I, did you have somebody on the ground? Did you just do it when you could? Move down there when you, when you come off, come back on shore in the streets in Newcastle? How, yeah, how did was that work? Pretty much a visit every time home yep. initially. I mean, once it was bought, it was fully occupied. So it's kind of difficult to go down there and be about a property you own when the, you can't actually get into it, it because it's kind of <laughs> meaningless. Because uh, most of yours, most of yours is, is leases, right? Yeah. It's not, is there any licenses at all? No. no. Yeah. So yeah, there's a difference there, isn't there, about whether you can get in and, and, and look around yeah. the property. But when you were getting the hardcore done and the clear out of the, the, arc, the accountants area, did you have somebody locally yeah. managing that? Yeah, so the, probably another challenge was getting some prices in and, you know, we had some heating engineers costing new heating system and I thought, well, that's quite expensive, you know, knowing the prices that I pay up, yep. up north. Was it just, uh, was it just charging me a bit higher because I'm remote? And then I came across a, a local builder who was recommended by one of the tenants that was moving in and great guy. And he just, you know, he took care of everything. He stays local in the village, uh, and yeah, so he was just, yeah, he just... Landed on your feet there then? Landed on my feet, and prices were very competitive, and he would pop up, I mean, since since then, if anybody's got any problems, he'll he'll always pop in, so if you've got a good contact down there. Fantastic. So in terms of managing the clients... Obviously, it's, it's not um, licenses. You don't have to be down all the time. But nevertheless, there's still management to be done there. Have you employed an agent or are you doing all that work yourself? Just doing it myself, Jerry. I'll say there's not a lot. You know, the, there was a lot in terms of, you know, the conveyancing process, getting it completed, then trying to get people on it, the new leases, yep. uh, and then the kind of refurbishment and stuff. So but most of it was phone calls. And then I kind of enjoyed the drive down, listening to things in the, the car. You know, that's kind of what you do. And, yeah, that's exactly what I've done. And you kind of get yourself in the frame of mind, you know, because yeah. that's what you do in, in your daytime. But uh, yeah, I visit maybe twice uh, at the most when I was I was home. But after the refurbishment was completed, I mean, I don't think I've been down there, dare I say, maybe for about a year or something. Yeah, fantastic. Nine months or something. Just remind me how many retail units there were. So there was four, yep. it's now five. Right, okay. And do they all have separate amenities, their own electric, yep. their own lighting, their own toilets, everything, yeah. And the when the fifth one, did that mean installing new toilets and things or were they actually there? No, they were, they were already there. They were all, all I needed was a new water meter and an electrical supply in okay. there. What length of lease are on the shops? So everybody's adopted. It was kind of a progressive process. Because they were all in there in different things. So the, the antique 
centre or that space became the first available. It's, it's the new. It's a new all, one because all, all new terms yeah, now, right? Yeah. yeah. So it became the first available. So it was offered on a, a five-year FRI lease, yep. which was what I'd been educated to, to get it on, you know, was no cost to me uh, and all the cost to the tenant, including insurance. So it was offered on that basis and, and they accepted that. So that was the kind of, the grounds were yep. set. I'd spoke to a local solicitor because leases can be quite expensive, you know, so I got yep. a, an agreement where it was, say, it was be able to 12, use it yeah, again. yeah, use it again at a reduced price, you know, so I kind of got the first one for 12 and then the rest for kind of 700 or whatever and they'd done all the kind of process and stuff. Yep. So it was, that was agreed. Then I had to fill the, the accountant's front shop and the cake shop. They make these bespoke cakes. They're just, it's an artwork in itself. You see them a lot, you know, whether it's football shirts or cars or old people sitting in benches yep. on these cakes, you know, it really <laughs> is a, an art form. And, uh, and she was looking for, she was looking to take upstairs as additional space. And it was a bill that it says, why don't you move next doors? Because it's got all the upstairs. And she kind of bit on that quite, quite easily. And yep. I thought, why did I not think of that myself? But yep, this builder's she, definitely coming yeah. in and he's doing your sales for you. He's yeah. doing, <laughs> doing viewings. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I told her that, uh, you know, I kind of basically said this would be the rent. It would be 12 grand a year and a full repair and insurance. Insurance would be X. But I did say that the repairs she was quite high up in the percentage split. So per square foot, she's pretty much at 50% of the square footage. So any repairs would oh, right, be okay. quite... Like allocated to her yeah. quite high. Yeah, okay. So she was happy with that. Uh, so she moved into the front shop and someone else popped in and says, I heard this unit was becoming available. It was uh, a company, One Dining. So they're gourmet bur burgers. They've got a couple of these kind of trailers. American kind of pod trailers and yep. they're, they're well known about that area. They do very well. He didn't have a hot food license. Uh, I basically agreed. Well, he, he said he, he wanted it. He, he tried for a hot food license up the road and it was refused and he spent a few thousand pounds and stuff. But I was happy to give him it at the market rent, which was uh, 6,600 per annum. And uh, in future, if he, if he got the hot food license, we would, we would bump that up. And we kind of yep. just agreed mutually a price. I said, what, were you, what did you get? quoted in the last place and was he was looking at a place in Morpeth and he says well 700 a, a month and I says right we'll, we'll go with that then if you get a hot food license we'll, we'll pop it up to we'll, 8 we'll four, the eight four, yeah, yep. exactly it. so so he's got his hot food license and he's and he's up at 84 plus he's got his wee annual inflator on there which Super. which I did cap at five percent right yeah okay. I didn't want to go down the you know I don't think inflation will be this high forever and there was a couple of comments, you know, down the down the line here, I could be paying X amount. So put on a wee, wee cap cap there. collar. Yeah, okay. So I want to go back to the period before you bought it. Had a look at it. It's fully occupied, which is great. There's an income there. You're basically buying a, an investment, really, albeit um, investment grade stock, albeit there's plenty of chances coming up in the leases to do some renewals and all that sort of stuff. But other parts of the due diligence are around, you know, what's the local market like? Now, Fine, it's 100% occupied, but are there plenty of other shop parades around? Is it actually the only one in town? You know, what, what did you discover about the local market when you did that due diligence first time round? So I phoned a couple of agents just to get a feel for the, the place. Obviously, the, the kind of chat is, I'm buying this place and I'll be the, you know, I'll be the landlord if, if successful. And if there's any vacancies, you know, you'll be the, the place to come mm -hmm. to. Uh, and the kind of feedback was it's it's a via, it's the high street you know it's the main street going through there there is regeneration there's now an Aldi being built there some Morrisons through the back quite a quaint 
town, you know, it's kind of, I think the building itself is circa 1820 or something, right. you know, so it's an old building, uh, and the, the town, the conservation area and stuff, but yeah, the, 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 the agents come back and says, look, you know, things don't lie empty for very long, uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll be fine, and uh, that's the kind of assurance I got that the, the area was decent enough. Yep. Uh, I think through the mastermind group, again, we kind of we were able to go into the lights of like CoStar and other portals just to get some facts and figures as well. So everything came back positive in terms of the location. Okay. Um, so let's just summarise on that one. So when you bought it, it, the yield was just over 10%. Yeah. Albeit, one could argue, some of the leases had kind of finishing, could potentially disappear, etc. And it's now sitting around about 15? 15 and a half, yeah. And how long, what was the time frame between purchase and getting to 15 and a half? So 15 and a half was probably December 22, purchased in March of 20, because okay, two weeks so later. Probably not the best yeah. time period to be doing an analysis no. on how long it takes, because <laughs> yeah. obviously we know what happened in the world at that yeah. point. But nevertheless, um, March 2020 through to December 22, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Not bad. It was bad, bad yeah. When you take away the, obviously the, the pandemic phase, which yeah. hit two weeks after it was purchased. Uh, I, would, I would say that all the, the tenants paid every rent and they utilised their government grants to refurbish and, and improve their, their places yeah. ready for the reopening and to get their business back because they're local businesses and that's how the local businesses act. Yeah. Great, okay, so that's that one. I really wanted to talk about that, so thanks for that, especially about the retail element. So it hasn't stopped there, though. You have decided to come a little bit closer to home <laughs> and you've bought um, another property, which was, I'm guessing here, 18 months ago, 12, 18 months ago? It was March 22. Right, so just over just over 12 months ago. Great. Um, let's let's start talking about that one. So it's not too far away from where we are right now. Um, occupancy, what type of building was it? Size, maybe we could just give us some details around that one, Derek. Yeah, so that one, it's a sandstone tenement design. It was over two blocks around about 3,500 square feet and tenant base there was kind of beauty and professional services. So again, accountants and then your kind of nails and hair yep. and some specialised uh, cosmetic businesses in there as well. And is are they in retail units or is it all so, sort of studio office space? Studio office space, yeah. Yeah. So the, the the building itself back, you know, maybe the 1960s or 70s, I think it, can, it got converted to commercial would have been one bedroom flats and two right. bedroom flats type thing that's what i kind of design so okay. individual rooms classic resi to commercial yeah. conversion yeah we like those yeah. and <laughs> lovely high ceilings and cornice features yeah. that sort of thing great okay and but you didn't buy that one on your own you well you bought your own bit on your own but maybe you could go through the process you went through with Stephen there yeah so I'll call it a JV because yeah. we're pretty much joint, uh, myself and Stephen Gallagher, who's well known in the, the kind of SAS community. Yeah. Uh, the deal actually got brought to Stephen. Uh, we had met probably a few months beforehand. We kind of met up, liked each other's values. And, uh, you know, Stephen's quite motivated and he just wanted to, you know, get involved type thing. So we kind of looked at a few things. We agreed that we could work together and... Uh, it was quite exciting because I'd just been working myself type yeah. thing. So, so yeah, we got to know each other and uh, this got passed over pretty much. It kind of got an early an early bird viewing, as it were, you know. So you'll be the first viewing of the morning because he had went through this agent a couple of times and things never uh, progressed. So he got the early bird viewing. I was offshore at the time and I got the phone call. I would have been night shift, so I'm kind of <laughs> half sleeping. Yeah. He's like, right, this is uh, this is the facts and the figures. Uh, are you happy? Pretty much like a 50-50 split, you know, two blocks. So it would be one 
one seller and two buyers. Yes, yeah, so the title split, basically, yeah. We, yeah, yeah we, 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 we split the title on completion, and that would mean if anything went kind of, you know, that I wanted to sell or he wanted to sell, yeah. then, you know, we we're, were kind of split. But we had our ideas and what we wanted to do with this building. Uh, so we kind of, it was going to be a pretty much a bit of a joint venture, you know. And how's that worked out? Because when you bought it, it did have some tenancies. I don't think it was full, was it? Uh, Stevens was full. Right, your side. had... A couple of vacancies. There was yep. one vacancy uh, during the conveyancing, uh, and it became kind of two vacancies right, by okay. by completion. Just two small units type thing. But, uh, and have you guys had to change any units, or have they pretty much remained the same? I, I appreciate it's been redecoration and upgrading, but actual physically, have you had to change any form of any of the units? There was a there was a building warrant put in for for my block just to to create a toilet under stair toilet. There was a, right. a nice big cupboard area under the stairs as you go in and uh, get a building warrant and uh, submitted a building warrant to get that changed into a kind of bit of a luxury toilet. Stephen had a, a bit of structural work, very small, just a bit of a slap out wall to make a communal kitchen area. Yep. So he's went for a kind of communal aspect with the kind of high tech coffee machine and you know, that sort of kind of area and I've went for the kind of internal kind of kitchen space where yep. we've got all the facilities uh, you know internal so, so, units yeah so, so there's your mix. personalities appearing in the different buildings it was it was more <laughs> by design because the original uh, the, the original rooms had these kind of internal just kind of kitchen areas just in the, the kind of archways yep. you know so the pipe work was there and we kind of decided you know well that's a bit of a mix we had at this point decided that rather than go down the improving the leases to FRI and that kind of way. We were well on the way to the kind of CMO flexible office strategy. So it's what would work there. And I don't, th I think in terms of making a kitchen, the way Stephen's design was, it worked well for him and it worked better for me just to keep the kind of kitchen areas there to provide a kitchen space yep. for, for the occupants. So you mentioned CMO there and going more flexible. So what's your contract type? In, in Newcastle, leases, five-year, FRI. What's happening in Hamilton? So Hamilton's, when I say early stages, we were going down a licence route. Yep. Uh, There'll be some historical stuff there you have to work through, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah, so obviously I had a couple of vacancies and I started work to refurbish those two rooms into what would be nice, high-end, flexible office spaces, you know, with the kind of instant hot water taps and the fridge and microwave type thing. And, no nice features in there as well. I've, I've kind of got the cornicing in the front room and I've put in some cornicing in the, in the back room as well and the ceiling rose type thing. Uh, Stephen, Stephen had a, a tenant in his block who wanted to expand. In, in the process, uh, since, since we've bought it, we, we have applied and had um, uh, planning approved for to develop the, the attic yep. space. So that's going to give us an extra three offices each, so six offices in total. Uh, that wasn't going to be available in time for the architect, so he moved on and that gave Stephen a, a couple of rooms. And I think when you go in there and you work in these buildings, tenants sometimes get a bit itchy, they're thinking what's going on, am I going to be safe, that sort of thing. And, you know, he, he's he's moved on. So then we kind of spoke to the existing tenants and says, look, this is the model that we're adapting downstairs and this is the model that we're intending to adapt to upstairs. It's yep. a flexible basis. And we, we told them the terms and conditions. I think when they seen the spaces, it was a bit of a wow factor. Stevens had two of his tenants upstairs moving down or right. sub-tenants moved down into the flexible space and I had one of mine moved down 
who occupies two rooms upstairs. And this is just current as we, as yeah. we speak. You know, she's not yet moved down, but you know, we've kind of agreed the terms. So, like you say, it's a it's a process that takes a bit of time. Yeah, yeah it keeps a year or two to get these things to wash yeah. through. Um, have you during that managed to get a little bit of an uplift on the rentals then? Because you're given such nicer space. We there has been a slight uh, uptake. Some of the rents maybe uh, more are, with the new people. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, when you renegotiate with somebody's there existing, yeah, we're all in this to make money, but also you don't want to completely take the mickey. when you. We tend to do that. If we buy a new building, got occupants, we'll continue pretty much on what they were on. Uh, we will do some increases, but not right up to market rate. Yeah. Because, you know, I think it's only when people move out and you you start, you know, it's a clean slate. Yeah, exactly. There's there's obviously an element of relationships as well. Yeah. And yes, the, the long-term, you know, existing tenants their premises haven't been refurbished. It's only the common parts that's been refurbished. Yep. So we've kind of had that in mind. You know, there has been a, a tenant or two who's had an upgrade in their room and hence they've had a, a, a rent increase. Yep. But in, in general, the, the existing tenants have just been left as they are with, with a long-term view of building that relationship and having them in, in, in the new model. And if not, then next. next, yeah. Okay, so right, that's two in the bag. This one's still going through the process. Newcastle, I mean, never done, but certainly done for the moment, right? Um, you've not put any leverage on these. Uh, is there intention to go again with the SAS? To what, What's your thoughts for next? Yeah, I mean, busy period, just trying to stabilise Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, being involved with Stephen, he's very, uh, very active. So there's always things in the pipeline. And yes, there's probably enough in the tank for a, another project. Uh, for sure. And have you, reflecting on this you've done, have you had any thoughts on investment criteria? You may not have thought in that way, but just reflecting on what you've learned from those two, the size they are, the location they're in, the type of mix, the type of product. You've already mentioned about maybe moving from leases more towards licences. Is there any other tweaks you might look for on the next one, whether it's bigger, smaller, more licensed? I think in, in terms of, it looks like the, I mean, the figures work well for the kind of flexible space. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very early stages and very rough projections. But I would, I would tend to say that, you know, that rental income in Hamilton was 39,100 at purchase, it was purchased at 370k. We could you know, potentially get the, the, that income after bills paid up yep. to ninety, huge difference. Ninety thousands. We, we could double that and, and, and more, and a bit, yep. potentially. I forget everybody on that same kind of model, which we're and that's net of all costs. Yeah, that's that's net of bills, etc. Obviously, how you in the SAS, everything's tax free. Sure, there is a f- you know there is options. There is a wee thing that we're that we're considering whether we kind of rent back to the limited company and. Know, and, and take some operations, yeah, do an operations model outside the SAS. Yeah, so, so at the moment, that's an they're completely owned in the SAS. Yeah. The the rental checks go back to the SAS and individual customers, totally separate. Whereas, yeah, maybe at some point, on operating business will yeah, allow well, that, you to. That is, that, that is the, the the plan is to is to have the operating company in there and release a bit from the SAS. So, but I'm, I'm just giving total figures there, so it doesn't get sure, messy for this. Sure, I, but also from the SAS point of view, the, the market rate for the building is 39,000, wherever the number is. Yeah. Um, and the trading element, which is really where the flex stuff comes in, is another 40 or 41, or whatever the sure. number is. And yeah, you then have a choice. Do I put this back in the SAS? Do I supplement some income right now? And, and it's interesting that 
that combination of SaaS and CMO allows you to generate or give you the potential to generate income from your pension now rather than waiting for her pension age. And it would be the same if the SaaS was investing in, if you had a garage and it was investing in, you know, more um, buildings or space, it's the same principle. It, it's to earn some money back into the SaaS, but also to allow the business to thrive. Yeah. And, and, it, and it works well for people below pension age. Yeah. I'll be open and honest, I'm 56, so I'm at that, I'm past 55, so I'm at that pension age where I can withdraw. Uh, so why am I, you know, why am I going down the operating model? Well, I want to involve my, my sons, you know. Yep. And quite, uh, you know, I want to get them involved in it and quite honestly, just give them some, some cash early on in, in life, so. Well, there's there's another little nuance about yeah. SAS there, isn't there, is that it, you can um, pass it on without necessarily Definitely. having that big tax bill. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So any other parameters you think about looking forward? We mentioned about flex space. Would there be size, location, anything? Basically, what I'm asking really there is, what have you learned from those that's going to fine-tune for the next project? Probably different type of projects and, uh, you know, and going for the kind of retail CMO to the kind of flex space and the, the flex space is quite early doors. You know, the website yep. is just going to go live and hopefully that's when we start getting the, the inquiries for the, the, the spaces that's going to come our way uh, and we can get them filled. I suppose learnings uh, really for, for, for anybody getting involved uh, and you know, buying commercial, one of the biggest kind of factors I've, I've always uh, well, one of the biggest factors I've learned is is to get the boots in the ground and talk to the tenants you know the, the agents probably don't like it uh, but when you go when you go and potential visit, purchases yeah, go and speak to them yeah go and, go and speak to the the, the the tenants you know especially with Newcastle where there was leases that was expiring and stuff you're thinking yep. what's going on down there are all these tenants jumping but actually there's, there's other problems or there's problems with the landlord or there's problems you know so Speak to neighbouring businesses, people across the road. It's amazing what you'll find out about that property. You'll just learn so much. Uh, in terms of the, the Hamilton, kind of struggled a wee bit with, with, with builders and trades and stuff. It took us a wee while to get off the ground uh, to get the, the quotes in and, 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 and agree on a, a builder that was going to take and take control yep. and manage things. So that was a bit of a kind of struggle. But well, that's the relationships that you get and the re relationships you build. Did forward. you find um, that having one local and one further away that there was much of a difference with that? I probably, Hamilton's current, <clears throat> I yes. find myself <laughs> spending more time at Hamilton than, <laughs> yeah. than Newcastle because Newcastle will be a, a phone call away and I had a good builder down there. Yes. So, yeah. You do, you think it, do you think do you think it, the Hamilton one is the struggle with the builders is because you're a bit closer or do you think it was just actually just luck of the draw and that's where you know you just ended up with it was just luck of the draw yeah so again if if you know a good builder then you're in a good place you yeah. know and you can keep a hold of that maybe have a couple of good builders you know because yeah. builders are always busy and they've always got different projects and you want yours done now type things so yeah okay all right so just just closing off Derek it's been really interesting to hear those two different projects, how they're evolving. And, and as you see, Hamilton's still working its way through right now. Um, but there is still some funds there for doing the next project. So it will be interesting to follow up with what you're going to do next. But if if somebody else was starting right now with their um, similar scenario, they've got a pension pot they've built up over a number of years of working hard, and now they're wanting to make that work hard for them. What are a couple of tips you'd maybe give them? 
just you know while they're starting out because you know, you've had your own unique journey you know, a bit of education in there as well what would you suggest to someone that's listening to this that's in a similar situation or coming up to the same situation yeah, I mean I mean I was looking forward to how retirement would look like I've been on a decent wage and uh, for, for quite a while so I'm thinking right how am I going to survive and what is what is my retirement wage look like and that would what be survival your, your, look your, like? Your, yeah. your, your pension <laughs> fund so I had a I had a defined benefit pension which was going to get me yield me eight thousand six hundred per annum, and I had some other defined contribution funds as yeah. well that was that was lying about there. So that that defined benefit actually transferred out to like three hundred and fifty grand thereabouts. You know, so it was quite a, a portion there. Uh, and I looked at the, the pension pots and I thought, okay, it's hard to project what they're going to give, and is it going to be an annuity, or am I going to, you know, is it going to be a kind of ongoing investment, kind of drawdown type pension? So I thought that. My, my funds might kind of get up in about the 25,000 mark. So they're now yeah. up probably close to the, you know, 60, 70, 80, Yeah, so 350 producing eight grand is not exciting, yeah. right? No. So so I kind of, I put the, I, I put the risk in that first. I, I transferred that across yes. and, and I played with that. But to the answer to your question, tips for people, what they think. So education, firstly, and whether it's the SAS world, get, get involved in some of the, the communities yeah. and networking. There's, there's communities in Scotland, there's communities all over the northeast, northwest, London, and uh, and also if, if you know education and commercial property, because it is a different beast and you want to make sure that you're, you're doing the right things because there can be some banana skins and it's, it's obviously shark-infested waters. People try to get rid of buildings and, you know, there's, whether there's problems there. So a wee bit of education goes a long way and... I suppose the rest of it is just that, that, that confidence. Is that what you want to do? You know, do you want to sit on your pension and think, okay, that, that's going to get me X amount, but I might not get that amount. It might be 5% this year or 10% growth that year, or it might be 15 that year. So it's, it's a kind of uncertainty. Yeah. And I, I found it hard to kind of, you know, I heard all this terminology, being being control of your own pension. And I thought, what does that actually mean? You know, and, I'm still on control here because I'm educating myself in property and somebody else is telling me what to do and that. But further down the line now, I kind of see where I'm in control. And, and I think property is it's, it's a good area for, it's a good security really. You yep. know, you've got the bricks and mortar there. If it needs to be sold, you've got the income, if, if that's the case. So yeah, I don't I don't see it as... The shares as, as here, you're risk. not in control, are you? No. Or, or annuity. But exactly. You're not in control. And the, the interesting thing about SAS element, as we mentioned earlier on, is it, you know you can leave it to other future generations. Can yeah. you? So you're, you're build as often mentioned in the community. You know you're you're building um, wealth, intergenerational wealth. It's it's pretty unique. Okay, um, this has been really interesting. Thanks for thanks for joining me, Derek. Thank um, you, Derek. And I look forward to seeing what that next project is, and also hearing how Hamilton develops out. Been been fascinating. Thank you for joining yeah, me. No problem. Fantastic. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. 
and on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.